It's time for JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. This is how you do radio in a professional sports town, and this hasn't been a professional sports town. It was just UNLV basketball for how many decades? Now you got the Raiders, and you got the Golden Knights. It's big boy radio. JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? My radio show's a little bit more intense. It gets a little bit more crazy. It gets a little bit more emotional. It's Big Boy Radio. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two. JT in studio with Bobby today. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And streaming on the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing well as we're brought to you this hour by Resorts World. Uh, Resorts World, the biggest, most unique. I don't even know how to describe it every day. Every time I go there, I'm taking my mom there this week. We're going to dinner on Thursday. I'm going to take my dad to Eight Cigar Lounge, show him that place. I love Resorts World. Love the Doghouse Saloon. That's our home for Monday Night Football. Thanks to Resorts World for re-upping with us. One of our uh, really cool, cool, huge partners here on the show. We are thrilled to be back inside Resorts World and hopefully you're going there and you're hanging out with me there because we're going to do a lot there this year at Resorts World. I'll get to Jimbo Fisher in a minute. Uh, the biggest story today in the NFL is Arizona quarterback Kyla Murray, who the Raiders open up against at home, will not be at the Cardinals' organized activities this week, according to Adam Schefter. Everything's quiet in regards to the contract front, and he's supposed to and wants to get a contract extension. Attendance for organized team activities is voluntary, the Cardinals will have a mandatory minicamp June 14th to the 16th. The Cardinals exercised a fifth-year option on Murray's contract last month, guaranteeing him a salary of $29 million in 2023. He's been asking for a long-term contract. He's one of these guys who wants $45 million a year. Last month, the general manager, Steve Kimes, said there was zero chance he would trade Murray and noted that other third-year quarterbacks – who signed extensions such as Mahomes and Josh Allen received their deals in the summer. So Kimes is saying, quote, nothing has changed in terms of being being our long-term and short-term quarterback. And remember, we got to go back to Kyler Murray's social media. He tweeted himself in April, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. Arizona is home because there was a little pushback on all that on a podcast that they said that he would exit early. And that was said by Patrick Peterson and Chase Edmonds if he didn't get a new deal. Uh, Murray's only 24. He was named Offensive Rookie of the Year after the 2019 season. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. Led the Cardinals to improve win totals in each of his first three seasons and guided Arizona to the playoffs last year for the first time since 2015. So he got a Heisman Trophy, too. The guy's legit. Look, look at what happened to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was just left, and Cleveland said, we're done with you, and we're going with Deshaun Watson, who has all these allegations against him. That's not going to happen to Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray's got to be careful here because he's under contract and the team controls the contract. Also, we found out today that the Cardinals will be the team featured in season on hard knocks. So knock on wood if you're with me. Uh, They are the new team to go on hard knocks, and I think they'll have a lot going on, especially with the quarterback. And this is the in-season hard knocks. The second time the Cardinals will be part of an in-season documentary series. They were a part of Amazon's All or Nothing series during the 2015 season. This will be the first appearance for the Cardinals on the Hard Knocks franchise. The series is going to debut in November and will document the Cardinals season all access there. 
Hard Knocks in-season debuted last year with the Indianapolis Colts. If you're able to see that, the Raiders had a big role in that because they knocked them out of the playoffs. The Detroit Lions will be featured on the preseason edition of Hard Knocks, which is scheduled to premiere in August. Uh, Also, housekeeping term here in August is Cliff Branch's Hall of Fame induction. You know I tell you what I know, and I don't step out of my lane because I have a lane I stay in with the Raiders. This is massive. This is massive. I found out about it. I can't talk about it. When I can, I will. If I were you, I'd get a hotel room and a plane ticket to Canton for Cliff Branch because it feels like it's going to be a Raider Palooza. It's that big. Let me repeat. Bigger than any Raider that ever went into the Hall of Fame when it comes to a party. Now, how is this? Cliff passed away. He's Mark Davis's best friend. And Mark Davis is very generous, as you know. And this is going to be very generous to Raider Nation. So I'll just give you that. When I have more information, I'll tell you about it. But I'm excited about that as that's going to come in August here pretty quickly. We're going to go from May right around the corner here into June. We'll get into training camp. The next thing you know, you're going to be shuffling trying to get to Canton. A lot of fans can drive, you know, into that area. But if you're coming from out west like we are, I think you're going to want to get there and have a good time. So that'll be great. I had a great weekend at Mike Ditka's. I'll tell you about that. I was going to save that for later in the show. It was pretty emotional. I went back to see Coach Ditka, and I'll tell you about it. And I don't know if it's going to be for the last time. Coach Ditka is getting very old, and I had a chance to spend some time with him. I'll tell you about that, along with Marv Levy, who I introduced, who is 96 years old. My dad will be 84 tomorrow. God, I'd take 96, wouldn't you? 96 years old for him. And other than that, in the NFL, Jadavion Clowney agreed to terms. He wanted to play in Cleveland. There were some other teams interested, and he said, nope, that's where I want to be. And we'll talk coming up here a little bit about uh, what's going on with Justin Thomas's win. Let me throw out a topic for you now. And again, I throw these topics out. If you want to tweet, if you want to call, I'm going to talk about it anyway. But I think it's a compelling topic to call in on. Tiger Woods left. He quit on Sunday. Let me repeat. He quit. No other way to describe it, but he gets a pass because he got in a major car accident. Now, I was with Tiger when he won the U.S. Open on a broken leg. He didn't quit because he was in the lead and he played in the playoff. So he didn't go, I'm out of here. He actually was competing for the win. This, he had no chance on Sunday. He made the cut and then he played on Saturday and imploded and decided not to play on Sunday. And I get it. I get it. He was in a lot of pain. Not getting around after the car accident well, and he deteriorates after every round. It could have been nice if he stuck around. Went in the booth with Jim Nance, did a couple holes, stuck around to watch his best friend win. Now, he never knew that Justin Thomas was going to win, but he took off. Didn't even talk to the media. Now, Tiger can get away with that. The analogy I gave on my SiriusXM show last night was this. In Muhammad Ali's loss to Larry Holmes at the end of his career, Muhammad Ali was nothing more than a punching bag. He got obliterated. It was so sad that Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali wasn't great at that point. He was a shell of himself. He didn't quit. He took that beating from Larry Holmes. And Larry Holmes' mentor was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali in the second round could have said, I'm out of here. Done. Throw in the towel. He took the beating. There were times where Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Richard Petty were down three laps to go because they got in an accident early in a NASCAR race. They didn't drive into the pit road and quit. 
with 100 laps to go and say, hey, I can't win. I'm out of here. They finished the race. Tiger did not. And I'm okay with it because I think it's special that he's even competing. When I watch Tiger play golf now, I am fascinated by his competitive spirit to go out there and play when he's not going to win and try to compete. You know you've done this in your life as a sports athlete, as a kid. And things, you maybe didn't make your high school team. You didn't play in college. But you can all go back, all of us, close your eyes unless you're driving, to a time in your life where you had to compete when you knew the odds were stacked against you. You were done. (laughs) The game was over and you competed. Tiger didn't do that on Sunday. He quit. And I'm giving him a pass because he came off a car accident. And I guess the rest of his career, he doesn't have to do it. If he can't win on Saturday, he'll fire up his private jet and go home. But imagine if every golfer did that, who are 11 strokes back or nine strokes back and said, I'm Bubba Watson. I don't need to be here. I'm making $30 million in endorsements. I'll just get on the plane and go home. So, Tiger, do you give him a free pass or not? Does the analogy make sense with Ali and other legends at the end of their career? And what do you think about Tiger not being there on Sunday? It was fun to watch him compete. And a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen. What is going to happen down the road for Tiger? Can he ever win a PGA Tour event again, let alone a major? I think he can. Uh, Most people are betting against him. And Canelo Alvarez, even though he just lost to Dimitri Bivol, he is going to fight Gennady Golovkin, Triple G. They have an agreement, so they're going to continue to finish what they started. Uh, Those were two great fights. I was there, ringside. I thought Canelo lost the first one, and they had a draw. So I want to see this again. So this fight, what is certain is that they're going to return in September, and in the coming days they're going to announce the fight. So Canelo coming off a loss to fight Triple G is probably the right thing for him to do. Not that it's going to be easy, but Bivol's not the guy he should fight again. And tonight, uh, Miami will play Boston. Uh, that game is on ABC. That game is 5.30 Pacific time. A must-win game for Boston. They cannot win the series if they don't win this game. All right, the soundbite I wanted to get to before Kurt Heelan's going to join us is what happened with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. So Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, used Texas A&M and Deion Sanders at Jackson State. He used those two programs to say that college football is getting out of control with name, image, and likeness. And he pointed to Jimbo Fisher and his program. Well, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M took off the gloves and went toe-to-toe with Nick Saban. This is in line for one of the top five sound bites of the year in all of sports, Jimbo Fisher. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. Know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it for our players who are coming here who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. 
Wow. So he went right at, who goes after Nick Saban that hard? Well, Jimbo Fisher, who was on his staff back in the day. So he's basically telling you that Saban doesn't run a clean program. That takes balls. And then number two, he doubled down and said he runs a clean program. Good luck with that. Because if anything pops up about anything inappropriate at Texas A&M, everyone's going to play that soundbite forever. That was head coach on head coach crime. That's about as good as it gets. They play October 8th. It will be one of the most anticipated college football games since the convicts versus the Catholics. Notre Dame, Miami. That game is going to be incredible coming up. It's going to make for incredible television. Now, this is Nick Saban, what he said. So that, that was Jimbo Fisher's reaction. He reacted to this from Nick Saban. We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image. We didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. That's a pretty strong accusation. He said that Jimbo Fisher bought every player. This is where we're going, everybody. As I sit here in Vegas, UNLV, we have billion-dollar upon billion-dollar casino headlining the strip here, and they can't get anybody. I mean, they're trying. Coach Arroyo I like a lot. He's trying. But they're not getting the players that are at Texas A&M. And UNLV plays at Allegiant Stadium. I don't want to go to College Station to see Texas A&M. I'm sure it's a great time. I'm sure it's a great atmosphere. I heard about the atmosphere being great. We're, we're Vegas. Vegas has a, a Division I program. Name, image, and likeness. Casinos everywhere. Now, as I know the business, you know, publicly trading stocks and casinos aren't going to start throwing money in to college football players because they have a board that they have to go to and they got to make money for stockholders. But with all the money in Vegas, where's the money for the football program? I'm not an expert on it. I'm just shocked because, as you know, I don't waste any time on this show. I don't waste a breath. I'm always talking. And I don't waste any time talking about fake boosters. Who's the booster for UNLV basketball or football? I've lived here too long. It's a scam. They don't exist. They don't. There's a few There's a few people in this town that have big money that invest a little bit with the program here. I give the Fatitas all the credit in the world for building the facility, the practice facility. Very generous for them to do that. They happen to be billionaires. But where are the other people in town stepping up? Name, image, and likeness and the opportunity to take this basketball program and football program to the next level. This isn't Laramie, Washington. This isn't some tiny dump of a town in the middle of a state that you never heard of that has a better football team and basketball team. I am behind Kevin Kruger as much as I can. I just host a radio show. And, you know, I could write a check here or there at the right time for a charity. But I'm talking about the people that want to be popping their collar at a UNLV game or football game and telling you that they're a booster, what have they done? Who are they? Bobby, you've been here for a long time. You know a lot of these people here. We'll be very careful because we have a lot of connections on the radio with a lot of programs here in town. Who are these people that are claiming to be unbelievable boosters? I don't know who they are. I don't interview them. I don't see them. I would think besides the Fertitas, the one guy you should probably think of would probably be Chuck Finley. Yeah, well, he, they he, put he, a ton of money. Yeah, into they put UNLV. a ton of money. You know, we know that here at the station. But I'm talking about another 50 people. Where are the other 50 people in town? Where are the 
in Southern Highlands and in the Ridges and at the Summit and writing some checks to get this program, the outside linebacker that they need. Deion Sanders can do it at Jackson State. Texas A&M can do it. I get it. It's a bigger conference. UNLV football is Division One. This coach is busting his ass trying to get players here. Who in town is stepping up? I don't know. I've been in town a long time. Yeah, Bobby has a big goose egg. There are people there, but there should be more to help out the program or just don't have a program. You don't have to have a program. I mean, if you're not gonna if you're gonna make you're not gonna make the program vibrant, then what are you doing? So I, what I'm just saying is there's a lot of posers in this town. Posers. You know, you see an Aces game with Mark Davis. I know the checks Mark Davis writes for a football team and a female basketball team and what he does for all the other charities. I don't know what the other people do in town. I'm sure there are generous people in town that I'm not aware of. But it's not having an effect on the football team. I can promise you that. And all these other little schools and these little tiny outposts in tiny towns in the south, little small towns in Oklahoma, they're writing big checks. They're getting players to come. Name, image, and likeness. I don't know. I'm just going to sit back and watch and see who writes about it here. But you're not going to get a lot of that content on this show. This show's about winners and trying to get championships and doing it right. And we'd like to help in any way we can, but I don't have a magic wand. 702-365-9200. When we come back, we'll go around the NBA with Kurt Heelan, very good guest at Basketball Talk. And then a recap of my experience with Coach Ditka over the last couple of days in Chicago. I wanted to share that with you. I think you'll be interested on Coach and what I saw this weekend and some of the great people I saw again at Gridiron Greats. Good to be back in studio here at Lotus Broadcasting as we are brought to you by our great friends at Modelo. Modelo. Have a bucket of Modelos with me tomorrow for my son's birthday. That's a big one coming up tonight. Celtics in the heat. Game four. JT back with you. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, as we continue here. I'm very excited about what we have in store for you coming up offseason. The entire Raider offseason will be in the building a little bit more. Very excited about the opportunity to go to practice to see what this team looks like. It is going to be fantastic. A lot of new names and coaches to get to know, but we will do that here. JT, my go-to spirit for the summer cocktail is Botanist Gin. Botanist is hands down my favorite gin, and it's the number one fastest-growing brand. It's simple as a gin and tonic with the Botanist and Fever Tree Tonic, or a brunch cocktail called Georgia Peach with the Botanist Peach Schnapps and Fresh OJ. But if you really want to step up and impress, then make a French 75, the Botanist Lemon Juice, Simple Syrup, and chilled champagne. Step up your cocktail game with the botanist gin. All right, Kurt Heelan's kind enough to join us today on the flagship of the Raiders as we get an NBA hit here as we get ready for this Injuries for both Boston and Miami. And, Kurt, you've been writing about it. Where are we at in this series? And what are you predicting with the health of both starting lineups? I think you're going to see everybody out there. Jimmy Butler, um, even at, right after the game, there was the, everything out of the, the – uh, 
Heat locker room was that this was he's had some swelling, but it was treatable. He'll be back out there. And, and look, Jimmy's a gamer who's played through injuries before. Um, that he would be there. In the Celtics case, I think you'll see Smart and and look, Tatum just kind of had a stinger. He's he's fine. Uh, Robert Williams is the question mark. It's just that look, he had knee surgery. They've kind of pushed him to get back as fast as he can, but the swelling is just going to be on and off through the rest of the playoffs. And some days he's going to be able to play through that, and some days he's not. Um, but I think you can see in these games how much like if you. With all due respect to Daniel Thies, there comes a point, J.D., where at this point in a, an NBA season, you have a really short rotation because there's only a few guys who can play at this level, right? Like, you're not 10 deep with guys who can play in the second round or, the, I mean, the conference finals of the playoffs. And Boston really needs Robert Williams out there. Yeah, I agree with you on that and. You know, Tatum only getting 10 points. That was one of the biggest shocks for me. The biggest shock by far was Phoenix not showing up in Game 7 against Dallas. That's one for the ages, the annals of the NBA. But the way Tatum's been playing in the postseason and for him to have an off night considering how important it was after they got home court in Miami to retain home court in Boston, that was a shocker to me. I think maybe that's the next level for him. And I, by the way, I think in Game in game four, you're going to see that Tatum again, right at home. I think you're going to see MVP, the ballot level Tatum back out there, uh, putting up huge numbers. They need, and like you said, they need him to be at the end of the day. He is the best offensive player they've got when he's off. Like he was last game, Jalen Brown takes more shots, gets more opportunities. And Jalen's good. Jalen's going to put Mm -hmm. up numbers, but he's a little more turnover prone. He's not quite as efficient as peak Tatum. And when Look, if Tatum's going to be an MVP player, he's got to be able to bring that every game, every night, especially in the playoffs. You can't, he can't have 10-point nights. There's, there's not enough around him to do that. Uh, he, he's, his off nights have to be 20 or 25, unfortunately, at this point. They, they, they can't. He just has to be that guy. Kurt Heelan is our guest as we move on to the Warriors win over Dallas to go up three games to none. I mean, this is a blowout. This series is over. I didn't expect anything, anything out of Dallas in this series after they won that game seven, other than maybe winning a game, and the Warriors are taking their heart away. I I just love the way the Warriors are moving the ball. They're making the extra pass. They're rebounding well as a team. They're getting out in transition. That Wiggins dunk was insane. And when you get Wiggins and Poole playing well, and you know what you're going to get yep. from Steph, uh, Draymond, and Clay. I mean, it's lights out, party over. They have been phenomenal this series. And I, I look, I thought Dallas would put up more of a fight. I thought this was going to be, you know, I thought it was a coin flip. I actually picked Dallas. But I, I wasn't convinced that the Warriors, because they, JT, they, we talked about this. They messed around a lot the last couple rounds, right? Like they take Memphis seriously every game. They had turnover games they did it in the first round and I was like man the peak warriors are great but are they going to bring it every night well yeah now they're now they're serious and they are bringing it every night and Dallas doesn't have the athleticism doesn't have the defense it's really hard to cover the warriors they're always moving they're always moving off ball they're screening off the ball it wears on teams and not having the rim protection there I mean I think for if you're Dallas and you're 
he made the conference finals. You can see, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. It's these moments that clarify for a front office, like, all right, man, we got to go get some rim protection. We've got to go get better elite defensive wing play. But they're close, man, and they just have gotten kind of run out of this building by a Warriors team. Like you said, man, those two off years let them build Andrew Wiggins up into this player again. That let them develop Jordan Poole. It's let them kind of. They haven't used Kaminga this series, but Gary Payton Jr. is obviously the second's obviously been out. They built up this team around their stars, and it's paying off now. Yeah, Kurt Heelan is our guest. So that they have the opportunity to have a lot of time off. The Warriors, yeah. as you know, the way they run that organization, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and the veterans on that team do not want to go back. They're going back to San Francisco to rest. They don't want to go back to San Francisco and have to play another game. That does them no good. So I expect them to hammer it. But Luca will put up a fight. Jason Kidd's a warrior. But if they win in four, and we're talking about a seven-game series, if Boston ends up winning and tying that up at two games all, Warriors could have a week off or so, and that's just going to help that veteran team with fresh legs coming into the NBA Finals. It absolutely helps them. Even if, they, frankly, even if they lose this one and it goes five, um, the finals don't start until June 2nd. The date's set. It's, I believe it's the second. It's that Thursday. Um, the, the, June, yeah, it's June 2nd. It's set. The date is already locked in because of international TV rights and stuff. You're right. They get a, I mean, they're going to have a week off two legs. You're not going to really lose your sharpness over that time at this point in the season. It's going to matter a lot for an older Warriors team that, like we said, part of what makes them so difficult is the energy with which they play off the ball. They're constantly moving to get that week of rest at this point is huge for them. And, and you're right. It, Whoever comes out of that other series almost certainly isn't going to have that level of rest. Kurt Hillen joins us. Let's talk about Juwan Howard, uh, not interested in the Lakers. And again, Juwan was at a point where he was worried about what was going to happen at the end of the season with Michigan with the five-game suspension. And I'm just fascinated. For years we've been friends, and I've told you we've run out of coaches. We regurgitate these coaches that have been fired. How many times? Alvin Gentry, Scott Skiles. Stan Van Gundy, whoever it is, it just doesn't seem like there's a crop of young coaches up and coming that you have to hire. Frank Vogel got a shot with the Lakers. I thought they kind of did him dirty with LeBron running the team. I mean, what's happening now? Stotts? Could that be the answer here? For the proud, mighty Lakers to go on with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is pretty much a lock coming into next year unless Davis is traded, and no one seems to know what's going to happen there. What are you hearing on inside the organization there? Uh, first off, the, the Juwan Howard thing was less about the Lakers and just more about his two sons are uh, freshmen mm-hmm. and juniors at Michigan, and he wants to coach them. And it was known around the league. The Lakers made the call because they should, but it was known around the league that he was not leaving Michigan right now. In a few years, he might take an NBA, very well likely will take an NBA job somewhere, and he'll have mm-hmm. a chance to pick. He, he will not have to take the dregs. Um but it wasn't going to be now. He wasn't going to leave the situation he likes so much right now with his family there. So it was more about that. Um, you're right. They need fresh voice. The buzz is more Darvin Ham. Um, I had heard good things about Kenny Atkinson's interview, but you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and look, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, whatever you think of them, were very frustrated with the 
inflexibility of, of Kenny Atkinson. I'm not sure you can just risk bringing him in and assuming he's a different coach or is going to be able to make this work. Darvin Ham's the buzz. And look, that is a strong personality. You talk mm-hmm. to players, gravitate towards him. He is a he's the kind of perfect combination of guy that players like and they want to talk to and they fear just a little. Um, he is a he doesn't have to be a great X's and O's coach at this point. A, you can put one of those on the bench next to him, but B, you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, man. Like it, it, once you're a good X's and O's coach at a certain point and you get to a certain level, like it's about managing personalities. And I think of the guys available, that's the best one. Can he do it? Dude, you never know until somebody in those shoes, right? Like you just don't know if a guy can be a head coach until he's a head coach. But I think he's, I think he's the best fit of the guys they have, and the buzz is that that's the guy they're leaning to for for those reasons. Kurt Heelan, as we wrap it up from NBC, follow him at Basketball Talk. I love, I love when players don't get offered a max deal, a super max deal. I believe that's the way to fix this league and get it back on track again. No max, super max deal unless you clearly deserve it. Luka Doncic, perfect example. He deserves a super max. Anthony Davis, I thought, deserved it in New Orleans, even though I knew he was never going to stay. Harden doesn't deserve a Supermax. He's the perfect player where you go, hey, if you want to stay, we're going to give you a ton of money, a couple of hundred million, but we're not going to pay you over what you're worth or what the market thinks. But where do you stand on this? Because if Harden doesn't get a Supermax in Philly, would he get a max deal, even though it wouldn't be as much with the team he's with from Portland or Sacramento on another team? Would he chase the money if Philadelphia doesn't go all in to keep him? I don't think so but I, look, first off I just I don't think there's a max deal out there for him and it's definitely mm-hmm. definitely not from Philadelphia I think that at this point the you know who set the bar here is Chris Paul right and Chris Paul who's playing really well you know and, and led them to the finals last year said hey I'll take less I will take less so you can build this team out uh, he didn't didn't know he's older he didn't take the guaranteed years that, uh, that Harden's going to demand for but I would pay to be a fly on the wall for that conversation when Daryl Morey yeah. has to sit across the table from James Harden and say, dude, you're just not a max player right now. He's an all-star. He's still really good, but you need to take less. And and by the way, less is still going to be $28 million a year starting. I mean, it's still going to be four years, $120 million, give or take, um, maybe a little more than that. But you need to do that so that we have a little financial flexibility, A, to pay Tyrese Maxey in a couple of years, but also, they've got to get more out there. It's clearly, if James Harden isn't Houston James Harden and he's not and he's just a playmaker, then you've got to get shooters and you've got to get defense. And, that, man, there's 29 other teams, JT, that need shooters and defense. It doesn't come cheap anymore. Hey, is, there, is there one player out there other than Harden, a big restricted free agent or free agent that we should all keep our eye on that might get a little bit more money? that you're thinking maybe one or two players that you're really high on going into this offseason after the finals? Well, Jalen Brunson's going to get paid. Probably, probably mm-hmm. stays in, in um, uh, Dallas. I mean, I just, I just, yeah. can you really let him go at this point? Like, I don't think you can. Uh, but he is absolutely going to get paid and uh, will be a big name. And there are some other interesting players out there. Um, look, there's not – unless – Dwight, unless a Damian Lillard or somebody changes their minds. The other one to watch, though, 
I'll tell you right now, JT, there's a lot of buzz and a lot that came out of the Chicago draft combine around the league about Zach Levine leaving Chicago, which A, would leave Chicago in a lurch, but and it would probably have to be a sign-and-trade, but that there's a lot of teams lining up, including Dallas, who needs a number two next to Luka, obviously, that are looking hard at, hey, maybe we can pry Zach Levine out of Chicago and there could be a little bidding more for him. Maybe maybe he stays in Chicago, but there's a lot of buzz about teams that think they can poach him. Yeah, and I'm reading it right now. You could follow everything that Kurt Heelan has at Basketball Talk. He wrote the column, Levine Free Agency Rumors, hot topic at the draft combine. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk to you ahead of the finals. Always appreciate your time. Anytime, JT. Take care, buddy. Take care, buddy. We'll see you here. He'll be here for NBA Summer League right around the corner there. Also, a reminder, we had Albert Hall on uh, to get your Summer League tickets at UNLV Tickets. Get your tickets to Summer League as they're going. Uh, Fans are really excited about Summer League this time around, especially with those first five or six players that are going to go in the draft. So thanks to Kurt again. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, rest of the week, we're off tomorrow for the Aviators. When we come back on the other side, I want to tell you about my trip to New Orleans. Excuse me, to Chicago. I got New Orleans on my mind for the Raider game. You caught me there, Bobby, right? You, you got that there. Uh, what I did in Chicago was pretty unique. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we come back, and we'll get you ready for the rest of the week here. We are thrilled to be brought to you by our friends at PT's. Best happy hour in town. Remember, Golden Entertainment owns the Strat. Check out what they're doing at the Strat from the top to the bottom at PT's. Chicago over the weekend actually I went to Chicago on Thursday and Friday and returned home on Saturday I was able to MC Mike Ditka's Gridiron Greats Hall of Fame Gala in Chicago at the Hyatt big big hotel grand ballroom I've been emceeing this event for a number of years and uh, this time it was in Chicago it goes back and forth between Vegas and Chicago and the last time I was in Chicago with coach Ditka his restaurant was open and he was much more vibrant, and Coach Ditka is getting old, and Coach Ditka is still a gentleman and a powerful human being to be around. And I don't know when I'm going to see him again, and I knew it was really important for me to go out there and spend some time and obviously have the honor of emceeing this event. So I brought a friend with me, one of my friends. I like to do that. Those who know me, I bring friends of mine on road trips. If my wife can't make it, I call a buddy. And we go out there, and it went out on Thursday, and the weather, it was like Maui in Chicago. You know, short sleeve shirt, walking around the city of Chicago, had an incredible dinner, cigars, walking there along the river, having a great time, uh, out by the lake, doing some cool stuff in Chicago. It's a beautiful city, downtown off Michigan Avenue with those skyscrapers on a night that felt like a summer night. It was just spectacular. So Friday, I got to the ballroom early. The event started at roughly 6 o'clock, and I got there about 5 with my notes and prepared, and Coach Ditka was sitting there uh, with a couple of people by himself, and I went up to him, and 
uh, he's sitting in a wheelchair, and now he uses a walker. I said, Coach, JT, thanks for having me. He's like, hey, great, thanks for doing this. I said hi to his wife. And it was just a nice, you know, three, four-minute conversation. He was talking to Jared Payton, Walter Payton's son, who was there. And just had a few minutes with Coach Ditka and shook his hand again and said thanks. And then I started the program off, and we inducted Jack Youngblood first. Jack Youngblood into Ditka's Hall of Fame, Gridiron Greats, that raises money for older players who are going through difficult times in their life. Pre-1993, these players made nothing with their pensions. They have these massive medical bills, massive hip replacements. Some have early dementia. Some are ill, and they just don't have the money. If you played in the 60s and 70s, you don't have any money from football coming in, not enough to survive, and Coach Ditka raises money for players in need. And John Riggins was there with his gold coat and his wife, Lisa Marie, who's an incredible woman, and she was at the point of suing the NFL for over a billion dollars with a B, and they won to get money for the players and their pension contract. She was the voice and the person behind that. She gave an incredible historic speech on the history of the game. Then this is what I wanted to share with you. So during the event, it's the Marv Levy Award, and it has to do with the military. It's someone involved in the NFL who has a military background. And this year, the winner was Ron Rivera. So I'm with Marv Levy, who's 96, not 86, not 76, 96. And I'm there, and I'm waiting for Coach Levy to come on stage as I introduce him. And I put out my hand at the stairs so he could come up, and he doesn't grab my hand because he didn't need it. And he walked up the stairs, gave this beautiful speech, and then inducted Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Commanders, in. And Ron Rivera gave a beautiful speech about his military background and his dad, two tours in Vietnam and what it meant to him. And as you know, Coach Rivera is a cancer survivor. He's been battling cancer and he's in remission, which is an unbelievable story. So that was pretty cool. Frank Winters, uh, the former center for Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, he was inducted in. He had a great story. I want to share this story with you. It was unbelievable. Because these individuals are giving speeches going into this Ditka Hall of Fame. They can talk for five, ten minutes. Frank Winters talked for like three minutes, and he basically said that him and Brett Favre were in Miami at the Super Bowl, and Coach Ditka needed a ride on on Brett Favre's jet back to New Orleans. And Brett said, yeah, no problem. We're going to Hattiesburg to drop me off, Hattiesburg, and then Coach, my pilot, will take you to New Orleans. And Brett's drinking beer with Frank, and they're having a great time with Coach Ditka, and Coach Ditka's up in the cockpit talking to the pilots. And Brett loses track of time, and the next thing you know, they land in New Orleans. And they didn't drop Brett off on his, on his private jet in Hattiesburg. And Brett said, what happened? And the pilot said, well, Coach Ditka was up here, and he convinced us to go to New Orleans first. And everybody was laughing at that story, which was absolutely incredible. So that was my night. And the final individual that uh, got a Mike Ditka Gridiron Great Award was work done. And as I was preparing my speech... And it's not about me. I like to be really quick when I emcee events. No one comes there to see me. They're there to see the athlete or the honoree. And I introduced him by saying a fierce running back who could do everything on the field, but his legacy is about everything he's done off the field. This is Warwick Dunn. And they played this video of Habitat for Humanity. And as you know, all the homes that he built with his own money and what he's done philanthropy-wise in giving back an incredible human being, came up there and gave a speech. So all these individuals 
who we honored with Coach Ditka. And then at the end of the night, you know, I know I don't know if I'll ever see Coach Ditka again. It was one of those scenarios, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I finished up, and Coach Ditka stayed for the whole program. And at the end, I said, if everybody can please stand one more time and give Coach a standing ovation. The whole room stood up, hundreds of people, and gave Coach Ditka a standing ovation. And it was really special. And I went back to my room, took my suit off, and put some clothes on to go out that night. Had another cigar, had a couple of cocktails with Jack Youngblood, Kyle Turley, former offensive lineman, multi-pro bowl offensive lineman who's doing a lot with cannabis and trying to get athletes off of opioids and into marijuana because he believes it's much healthier, which he's right. And we had a deep conversation, and he talked about that. And the Marv Levy thing is what I really wanted to share with you other than Coach Ditka. To see a 96-year-old man walk on stage with just a handful of notes and induct someone into a Hall of Fame with an award in his name, the Marv Levy Award, really blew me away, and I wanted to tell you about that. 96 years old, and to have the legacy that Coach Levy's had. So my buddy Steve, who came and traveled with me, I said, Steve, Coach Levy's the first ever special teams coach, and Coach Levy lit up. And Steve goes, really, explain that. And he said, well, George Allen made me the first ever special teams coach with Washington. And he told the story about this, about how George Allen, the Hall of Famer, thought that offense, defense was just as important as special teams. And that was Marv Levy's beginning as a Hall of Fame coach. He went on to coach four Super Bowl teams that lost, as we know that, but a great human being. So think of Coach Ditka and all these gentlemen and it was really a special night for me. I came home and I was telling my wife and sons about it. And I had a gift bag with some cool gifts and some shirts for them. And they really appreciated it. And my sons are young. They don't know who these players are. But I told my, my oldest son, I go, Jack Youngblood played in the Super Bowl on a broken leg. So I tweeted out the picture of me, at JT the Brick, on Twitter of, of myself and Jack Youngblood. And I get a text message from Max Crosby, the Pro Bowl defensive end of the Raiders, as we know. And Max says, hey, this guy was my hero. That, that's my hero when it comes to playing that position. So it was really a cool, you know, full circle weekend in Chicago. My wife's from Illinois. To go back to Chicago and have a fun weekend was really, really cool. And uh, I hope Coach Ditka is with us from years, for years to come. Uh, he handed off this event for the future. This is the last time. It'll be Mike Ditka's Gridiron Greats because of his age and the condition he's in. And Brian Erlacher, the Hall of Famer, will take a bigger role going forward. And I hope I get an opportunity to emcee these events for years to come. As earlier last week, I emceed the Bolitnikoff Hall of Fame uh, Golf Invitational. And then I bookended it with Coach Ditka. So these are heroes of mine. And I just wanted to share that with you. And it was really important to share it with you because on top of all this, you know, Fred... Fred's event was really special on Sunday and Monday, and I was able to have dinner with him and his wife, Angela, with my wife on Saturday at M Resort and talked about the week that was. I was telling him my story that I just told you about Coach Ditka. All these guys are not going to be with us a long, long, long time. Fred hopefully will, Coach Ditka. I don't know. But when you get the opportunity to be around these icons and legends, you really want to take advantage of it. And I, that's one of the, my, my biggest takeaways ever with the Raiders being around this organization this long. You get a chance to see these gentlemen and their wives, and they get it's 20 years later, and some are not here, and some are still here, and others 
are going to be here a long time, and you're not here to predict anything. We don't predict how long someone's going to be here, but you get a chance to be with Jim Otto, Tom Flores, Fred Bolitnikoff, Ted Hendricks. Oh, my God. You get a chance to be around these gentlemen. We just lost Daryl LaMonica, who really died out of nowhere. He was a pretty healthy guy, and people were expecting him to live a long time. He lived a beautiful life. His celebration of life and his funeral was supposedly epic. With the Raiders who flew up there and the executives and former players who were there. So I just wanted to share that with you with Coach Ditka because when I left, when I was done, I, I, I was at peace. If I see him again, it'll be great. If I don't see him again, I was really at peace with that because of what he's been able to do for me. And it's really just seen him once or twice a year at a cigar party at the Super Bowl, which he doesn't attend anymore, or Gridiron Greats as he passed it on to Brian Erlacher because he's getting up there. But Marv Levy, wow, what a, what a great guy. What an unbelievable story. All right, so we got big shows. We're off tomorrow for the Aviators. Uh, that's a big day for me. Tomorrow's my son's 21st birthday. My dad's 84th. So I'm going to spend the day with them. We might go out to Red Rock, do a little hike, go around, have some beverages. We're going to go to Virgin to one steak. To where we always go for big ceremonies and big dinners. We're going to do that tomorrow. And then just spend time with my son and my dad and my mom and my wife and my other son and enjoy it. And the dog. Got to have the dog. Grand, you know, grandparents love the dog as we get a chance to do that. If you miss any portion of the show, lvsportsnetwork.com. Also, thanks to Bruce Davis the second. Son of Bruce Davis the first, who won two Super Bowls for the Raiders. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino. Thanks to Bobby Kurt Heelan, who was kind enough to join us. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Always appreciate you listening. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh,